From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Hi, I'm Malcolm White. It's Monday morning. I'm here with my buddy Carol Puckett. Today we're going to talk about funeral food and comfort foods. You know, casseroles, finger foods, cakes, pies, all of the deliciousness that begins to arrive as soon as word is out that a loved one has passed. And no one does it better than us down in the Deep South. There's no finer way to soothe the soul and to send our loved ones off with a good goodbye than with food. And we're talking lots of it. Join the conversation today. Tell us about your favorite recipes, your go-to dishes. 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and welcome on this great Monday morning to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Malcolm. Did you slog your way in through the rain? I slogged my way through the weekend and in through the rain this morning. It's been a good weekend to sit in the kitchen and cook and eat because it's you can't it go is. outside. And I saw what was being cooked in your kitchen because I looked at Facebook <laughs> last night and I saw that coconut cake. Yeah, chocolate cake with a coconut cream icing with a little it's a mayonnaise cake is, is what it is. A mayonnaise cake. We've talked to that, uh, about yeah. that before. All right. So Karen knocked it out of the park with that. And then last night she made a fresh peach pie, uh, as if the cake wasn't enough. I know. I mean, this is amazing to me that, to me, you are the king of the kitchen. And you what? have, you have seated, you know, pre, preeminence. I know you're still in there, you know, cooking all yeah. those wonderful things. We share. We share. We got a great That's new kitchen good. and we're having a big time cooking. You know, kind of what we're talking about today is funeral food, we call it down here in the South. Also comfort food. And, you know, I was thinking on the way to work this morning, the thing I do in my kitchen <clears throat> is when I want to change the mood of my house <clears throat> or the ambience or the jive or the juju in my house, <clears throat> I pop a couple of sweet potatoes in the oven and just turn them on. And the aroma uh, and the way that smells just soothes my soul. Some people light a candle. Some people put a, a bouquet of flowers out. But anytime I'm a little off kilter, a couple of sweet potatoes in the oven changes the mood of the house, the whole scent, the whole thing it brings me right back to earth. I hear you, man. I, I think of all those years that I was traveling, flying here, there, east, west, around the world, and I would come home and open the front door and there would be the aroma of roast chicken. And, ah. you know, nothing says home like that. A roast chicken. Yeah, and you, you roast a mean bird. I do roast a mean bird. In fact, uh, I hadn't done one. I spent a whole summer with Anel Primos one year. We we tried roast chicken recipes all summer. Do you and use rosemary? I use thyme and lemon. Ah. But the recipe in the Barefoot Contessa for the perfect roast chicken is the perfect roast chicken. Hmm. But I did a little comfort food of my own this week because the rain outside was frightful and i was feeling kind of homey so mm -hmm. i got up early to beat the uh birds to the fig tree <laughs> in the rain you got to get up real early and to beat the birds. Uh, made fig preserves yesterday wow how long did that take 
Well, you have to cook them down for about two hours, but I would tell everybody out there, do not be afraid. It's it's really it's really easy and you know, we think of it as just something mm-hmm. hard to do that our grandmothers did, but uh, you can make your own fig preserves and the figs are plentiful. They yeah. are this is peak week for figs. Well I planted a an Italian fig tree. Uh, in my yard this year, uh, my granddaughter Ren and I went out and planted it on my birthday. Oh, so you're going to do the Italian so thing the with the, the prosciutto yeah, and, and figs? You can cut them and grill them. There's a lot of ways to to love a fig. Wow. Well, I tell you, one of the things that happened over the week was that I posted uh, on social media that we were going to be talking about funeral food and comfort food, and man, did we get run over with comments! It started. Uh, with my buddy Nathan McCarty, who said that for him, chicken noodle casserole, at least he says that's what we call it. It's pulled chicken, cream of celery soup, flat green noodles, and top it all with crushed saltine crackers. There always has to be something crushed on top. It's either saltine crackers, Ritz crackers, cornflakes, but you have to have some crunch and some soup. And then Mark Fraley, who grew up in Corinth and whose family owned and operated Fraley's Drive-In, wrote in and said, man, fried chicken and green bean casseroles are an absolute must. Yeah, green bean casseroles were big on that list, as were tomato aspic and chicken spaghetti. Oh, I love tomato it. Tomato aspic follows us around. Craig Claiborne's chicken spaghetti is just oh, remarkable. Yeah. Oh, well, you yeah. know... Um, and chicken pot pie is one of my favorites. That's the photo that I posted was of chicken pot pie. Now, I mean, to make a, a crust for chicken pot pie, I mean, that would be a real act of love. I, I would feel immediately soothed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and also, you know what Eudora Welty said about chicken pot pie. And what was that? She said it's a Methodist dish. A Methodist dish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of meth- Methodist dishes as all casseroles, not much crust. But that's that's wonderful, and I know you went to. Uh, we we lost a great Mississippian this week, the historian and just all around one of the greatest guys in the world, David Sansing. And you went up to Oxford. Uh, what what was going on after David Sansing's funeral? Well, David passed last week, and he was an old friend. We grew up in Perkingston together. He taught history at Perkingston before he went to the University of Mississippi and became an icon. Uh, at Ole Miss. In fact, he his last title was history uh, professor emeritus at Ole Miss of history. And at his service, uh, several of the speakers uh, made note of his wife, Elizabeth's, or we call her Lib, Lib Sansing. Several people referenced her deviled eggs recipe, which I have eaten on many occasions, both as a child and as adult, in the Grove tailgating at Ole Miss football game. So it was good to know that there was this thread of of food delivered by the speakers and making reference to Lib's great deviled egg recipe. And we would love to have that recipe. If any any of you listeners have the recipe for Lib's deviled eggs, we'll post it. That's right. We also heard that potato salad with a little bit of pickle juice and a dab of Creole mustard is good. Uh, and uh, later on, we're going to hear about uh, funeral food as a song, a- another art form. Kate Campbell wrote a song, and Trisha Walker is going to share that with us a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but my buddy Maud uh, Schuyler Clay said 
first of all, she said, don't forget Kate Campbell's song. And then she we said. We wouldn't forget we're it. We're never going to forget it. She said that her go-to for funeral food and comfort food is usually chicken salad and those little puff pastry shells with a parsley garnish served on a silver tray. That sounds like a Delta thing. My list, I went further down your list. There's a lot of tuna casserole, including new tuna casserole. Mm. But it still has um, cream of mushroom soup. And here was one of my favorites. I found Midwest meatball casserole. Midwest? Midwest. Is that Midwest Mississippi or Midwest United States? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but meatball casserole with hash browns in it sounds pretty darn good. Real good. We got a caller on the phone early this morning. Brian's calling in from Meadville, where I've been the uh, Grand Marshal of the Christmas Parade once upon a time. Hello, Brian. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Man, life is good. Yeah, I've got a uh, pecan pie recipe for you. Great. Hickory smoked bourbon Bacon, pie. Whoa, bacon! Yeah, Hickory yeah, smoked. <laughs> yeah. You smoked now, the pie I, I or the it, uh, pecans? Uh, no, you smoked the pie. I use a smoker, but you can you can do it in an <laughs> oven if you don't have a uh, if a smoker. All right, get it on. Okay, uh, a, a pie crust, homemade or store bought. Quarter cup, half stick of butter. Cup of sugar, three eggs, a quarter teaspoon of salt. One teaspoon of vanilla, uh, a half a cup of bourbon, but you only use two tablespoons of bourbon in, in the uh, in the recipe. Gotcha. Uh, one cup light corn syrup, one cup of cons, and a quarter cup crisp fried bacon crumble. Hmm. Wow. Oh man! And then what and happens? Just, well, you just put it all together. Put it. I'm you know creaming up, cream together the butter and sugar. Add the eggs one at a time. And, you know, mix it all together and, and then uh, pour it in the, and pour the pie still put it in the smoker. A smoker like a uh, kettle cooker or a green egg or just what, what sort of smoker are you talking about? I use an electric smoker. Oh, but, okay. You know, just uh, you could be a charcoal smoker or a water smoker, um, 250 to 300 degrees, you know, low heat. Wow. You've heard it first right here on Deep South exactly. Dining. Exactly. smoked I have never heard pie. of a smoked pine. What a great funeral food that would be. Whoa. That would have sugar and grease. Mm, that's and a beautiful thing. And crunch. Well, it's, it's got it all, y'all. It's got well, it all. Man, we really appreciate the call and the recipe. We'll post it on our website, and uh, that sounds absolutely divine. Also, uh, Carol, uh, our buddy uh, Jill Connor Brown reports from having attended Mrs. Rubenstein's funeral in Boonville many years ago, Michael and Ted Rubenstein's mom, and she reported about a casserole that was the winner at that funeral. It's called Miss Lexi's Casserole, and, um, I mean, it even made it up to me in Peoria, Illinois at the time. I think it was the casserole dish of the 70s. Wow. But um, it has, of course, it has cheese in it and <laughs> pineapple chunks. But it it is legendary now. It has been around the world and back in the Sweet Potato Queen books. Right. And I know that Ted Ted Rubenstein is very happy that his mother's funeral is still celebrated, and people think of that when they see Miss Lexi's pineapple casserole. Miss Rubenstein was a brilliant woman, and she taught math at Northeast Community College with my father, and and so I grew up around the Rubenstein boys and. Uh, uh, and it always gets back to Boonville. Every, every show we have have some kind of food for, for from Boonville. Well, we've already touched on Stone County, Perkinston, and now Boonville. So 
my life's complete. We've talked yeah. about Peoria. And, yeah, we have. Uh, and you grew up on the there, coast also. There's not much to talk about in Peoria, but one of your, your writers uh, on your Facebook page talked about taking Kentucky Fried Chicken and putting it in a 9 by 13 pan mm-hmm. and putting paper towels under it. Right. So people, you know, would think they made it. And it reminded me of when I lived in Peoria, I was having a southern brunch, and I'm like 22 years old, and I said, Mother, I've never fried chicken before. She said, Oh, my gosh, never have I. She said, Go get some chicken. Now, don't go to Kentucky Fried. Go to somewhere that doesn't have, you know, this was at the time just original recipe. Right. She said, Take it out of the box. Put the box in the garbage can and stomp on it. Nobody and needs then put, to see that. Put garbage. And when people, <laughs> when people, uh, you know, go, what wonderful fried chicken you Southerners make! Do you just say thank you? That's right, but, and it is. But fried chicken is such a, a legendary funeral food. But I suspect that there there are a lot of paper towels and nine by thirteen dishes with chicken in it. We'll come back and I'll tell you a Jim Cantori chicken story that I picked up off the I internet this weekend. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk funeral food and the culture surrounding that with Chef Enrica Williams. Enrica's been on once before. We can't wait to have her on again. And we're going to hear the great song from the Mississippi songwriter Kate Campbell and sung by the now recently retired head of the Delta Music Institute, Tricia Walker. That's called Funeral Food. Give us a call at one 672 7464 or pop us a little email at food mpbonline.org. We're going to take a break. Be right back. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White here with my buddy Carol Puckett. If you want to join the conversation, all you got to do is pick up your cell phone, dial 1-877-672-7464, or just sit there and take it all in. Right before the break, I promised a story about fried chicken. So Jim Cantori with the Weather Channel is down in New Orleans this weekend in anticipation of the storm. He approaches a lady and says, I have a question for you. Are any of the churches open during the storm and bad weather? And the lady says, I have no idea. I eat Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a great city like New Orleans. That's right. All right, so now we're going to play the song, Java, this great song uh, written, uh, I mean, sung by Tricia Walker. It comes off of her CD, Heart of Dixie. Is that right, Carol? That's right, and she had the good sense to record it, and everywhere she goes, she's asked to sing it. And so we thought we'd listen Let's to it here. Let's have it right here. Kate Campbell's song, this rendition by our buddy Tricia Walker.
chocolate cake well, Let's hit the line the second time We sure eat good when someone dies Funeral food It's so good for the soul Funeral food It fills you up down to your toes Funeral food Funeral Thank you, Trisha Walker. I know you're on the Neil phone. from Propel. And we're going to bring you in here in just a second. But before we do that, we got a caller from Boonville, Mississippi. Tommy's on the line. He wants to talk about fried chicken. Then we're going to talk to Trisha Walker. And then we're going to talk to Enrica Williams. we got it going on this morning. What's going on, Tommy Cato? Well, I don't have but a minute. i got a doctor's appointment. But listen, I just wanted to point out something. I love to cook fried chicken, uh, you know, especially on occasions like a funeral. Uh, and it seemed like I can't keep up. There's so many funerals. But the point I wanted to make was southern fried chicken that they describe on television, that's not southern fried chicken. That's deep-fat fried chicken. Right. Southern fried chicken is cooked in an iron skillet, preferably, with maybe a half inch of grease. It's just washed and floured and put in there and covered and maybe turned once and once on the side. That's southern fried chicken. Well, we're glad you called and cleared that up. Yep. Well, look, right. good, good luck with the uh, doctor's appointment, and we'll hey, see you thanks. real soon. All right. Bye-bye. Trisha Walker on the phone after that rendition of uh, Funeral Food. Amazing. Good morning, Miss <laughs> Trisha. How are things up in Cleveland, Mississippi? Good morning, Miss Carol and Mr. Malcolm. You know, it's a little, uh, little soggy up here in the Delta, but uh, how about down there in Jackson? Well, it's, it's the same, but... Um, we're having a good time here. In yeah. fact, we're having a really good time this morning because this is a great subject. And, of course, we thought about you with the song. But um, I also know, because I hang around with you some, that everywhere you go, you're asked to play this. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it, it is the perfect funeral song. And big shout out to my friend Kate Campbell. You know, songwriters... The thing about songwriters, you've got to have good enough sense to know that if somebody has already written the perfect song, there's no need in rewriting it. And Kate wrote the perfect funeral song, and like you said, I just had the good sense to, to put it on a record, and I appreciate you guys playing it this morning. Well, I mean, we couldn't have a funeral show without it. Absolutely not. Hey, doesn't Mac McAnally have a funeral song, too? Tricia, we're, uh, we're having a, a funeral or something we're like that. We're having a funeral. It's like on his second or third. Yeah, record. I just I remembered that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We're having a funeral. Somebody died. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Trish, you grew up in uh, Fayette. Is that right? 
That is correct. A little bit outside of Fayette, out in the country. Yep. Tell us about your uh, funeral experiences growing up in, uh, I guess it would be Jefferson County. The county seat of Jefferson County down there in southwest Mississippi. Well, it was always a big deal. And, you know, as, and for reference, this morning I pulled off my shelf, uh, as I'm sure many people in our great state have their church cookbooks. I have one here compiled in 1950 by the Women's Society of Christian Service. And my mother, God bless her heart, about a year before she passed away, she she pulled it together and had it reprinted with some additions. So I'm referencing the Fayette cookbook this morning because that's what all the ladies did. You know? and so they compiled it and found a couple of really great things. I know y'all are talking about chicken and chicken tetrazzini, but I found one in here called Chicken Divine. Did everybody have mm. Chicken Divine? No, no, but we're about but to. Yeah, we're waiting. <laughs> well, you know, it's... it's divine. Different. Chicken Divine, which is appropriate for a funeral, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's got all those good things, chicken, rice, uh, cooked broccoli, cream of chicken soup, uh, butter, flour, milk, Worcestershire sauce, and some grated cheese. Mm. And it's kind of all mixed up. You know, it's another one of those fantastic casseroles that the good Methodists and Baptists and Episcopals and beyond make. And so, um, that's you know, we, we ate well at funerals. I think as a as a region of the country, I think all Southerners eat pretty well at funerals. That's just kind of our, one of our hallmarks. I think we do, and uh, I know that you are a Methodist, and Methodists are known for casseroles. And I remember our good friend Robert St. John wrote in a column or in a book one time, he said, you know, people wear religious symbols on their neck, St. Christopher, Star of David, right. Cross. He said Methodists should have a little gold casserole around their necks. <laughs> and, and if they're really good methods, they should have a casserole in the freezer at all times, just in case. That's true. That's we, correct. We were going to uh, talk about that, and and uh, a lot of people keep. Somebody said it was from bereavement, birth to bereavement. They keep casseroles ah. in their freezer. Indeed. Yeah, you got to have your materials handy at all times because handy. one never knows. Yeah. That's right. Death does not wait. You, you right. must be ready. You must be ready. Uh, I've got a great, a great little story that when I was living up in Nashville, I had to uh, attend a funeral, and I just thought this was so funny. I've referenced it sometimes when I perform. It was I had to go to the funeral home. It was one of these multi, you know, multi parlor deals. So you had to find the right person you were going to grieve for. In the back, they had the kitchen where everybody had sort of their community food, you know, apart from the viewing parlors. Right. And I remember it was in the fall of the year, and there was a television set, and it was SEC football was on. And it was amazing to watch the In the funeral home. Of, oh, yeah, in the kitchen. Now, back in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. But it, it was amazing to watch the transformation of grown men uh, screaming at the football game in the kitchen and then uh, have to be bereaved and go up to the front funeral parlor. And then they come back and check the score a little bit later, and then they go back. And it was an interesting parade to watch if that was going on. Sounds like a good southern funeral. That's right. And I'm going back to uh, to the freezer in the pantry, but I'm referencing one of my favorite books, Being Dead is No Excuse, oh, by yeah. Gayden oh, Metcalf yeah. in, in Greenville, along with Charlotte Hayes. And she says you can always tell when a Methodist dies, there are lots of casseroles. A Methodist lady grocery shops by wheeling her cart down the aisles and grabbing every can in sight. Her pantry looks like an arsenal, but she has on hand the makings of a fine casserole any time of day or night. 
And because of this reliance on canned goods, the sodium content of a Methodist funeral is high. And if several Methodists die in a row, the ladies of the church complain they can't get their wedding rings on. Their fingers are too swollen. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and she uh, has a, a chapter in a recipe called There is a Balm in Campbell's Soup, sung, uh, sung to the tune of There is a Balm in Gilead. Balm in Gilead, right, right. Uh, that's a fantastic book, and I think there's also, and I don't know if she attributed it to the Episcopalians or not, but the question is asked in there, uh, what's the first thing that Episcopal women do when someone dies? They polish the silver. Yes, they polish the silver and the Methodists get out the Tupperware. Or as our friend Elizabeth High School said once in an interview that Carol and I did with Elizabeth about funerals, if someone comes home and there is a ham on the grill, the appropriate question is, who passed? And then the same thing of growing up and knowing that, you know, you take things to people, food, when, um, you know, when they're hurting or when they're celebrating. Um, you know, mom was constantly in the kitchen, um, you know, cooking. And, I mean, I can I can remember daddy came home and mama had a ham on the charcoal grill and he'd walk by and he goes, oh, God, who died? <laughs> I mean, you know, because that was just the thing. If she was going to be grilling that charcoal and that ham, buddy, somebody was dead. Um and, you know, I mean, it just, but seeing that and growing up with that, I mean, that's just my first intuition. My mother would have no more gone to the Walmart and bought some pound cake stuffed up in some plastic box to take to somebody. I mean, and, and the thing about it is that when you, and, you know, it all goes back to, to, I mean, and that's what we did with What Can I Bring was explaining to people that, you know, when you go into your home and you get in your kitchen and you take your time. I mean, that's the one thing that is the most valuable thing that you can give to somebody. It is your time. Giving your time and giving of yourself. Absolutely. I mean, anybody can pick up the phone and and order flowers. And I'm not saying don't do that. I love to get flowers. But I'll never forget my daughter was having eye surgery when she was about, well, she was only about eight months old. And I came home. We came home, flew in from the hospital, and um, one of our neighbors met us at the door and that was 21 years ago, and I still remember every single thing that she brought us. Every single th- – I mean, it was a roast chicken. It was Martha Stewart's lemon rice. It was asparagus, and it was a pound cake. I still remember that 21 – hell, Malcolm, I don't even remember what I did yesterday. I don't remember my children's name, but I remember that. I mean, it meant that right. much to me. That was Elizabeth High School from a recorded interview we did, Carol, uh, which will be featured in an upcoming Deep South Dining. And she had a lot to say. She had a lot to say. We have two shows worth of Elizabeth High School, but that was her little clip about funeral, and we just slipped it right in there on them. That's awesome. About that, Trish. Oh, that is just awesome. You know, Malcolm, talking about posting to your Facebook page, I did the same. There's a group of people who grew up in Fayette that have a little Facebook group, so I posted the uh, question to them last night. And uh, I got a couple of interesting responses. You know, one of the one of the friends, my friend Vicky, said, uh, "You know, well, would it be Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterian ladies doing the cooking?" Mother, who was raised Methodist but married Baptist, soon learned her assigned dish was macaroni and cheese. But her sister, who remained Methodist, stuck with her traditional bowl of butter beans. I really can't speak to the other denomination. <laughs> That's great. All right, Trish, hang in there. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we hope to be speaking to Enrica Williams, a chef uh, who's been on our show before. She's going to talk to us a little bit about her comfort food and funeral food. If you want to join the conversation, 1-877-672-7464, or simply email us to food at mpbonline. 
Carol and I'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. To sign up for Change, visit our website, mpbonline.org, and click support. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. We got a crowd up in here today. We are so blessed. Carol and I are here, of course, with Java Chapman, but we also had Trisha Walker on the phone calling from Cleveland, Mississippi. But sitting in the studio with us is our great buddy, Enrica Williams. Welcome back, Chef. Thank you for having me back. I see you got on your waiters. You just you just <laughs> waited right on in through the store. I did. I did. I made the mistake of not having them on yesterday. I said, not today. I'm going to be ready. <laughs> On our break, you were telling us a little bit about your former life working uh, at a church and, and, and the whole concept of preparing for the funerals. Yeah, so um, I actually, um, when I lived in Houston, Texas, I was um, executive chef and a personal chef for um, uh, the Church Without Walls, um, which has several locations in Houston. So part of my job was to prepare food for the repast. And initially, it was like... Like, oh, this is the most macabre thing, like to prepare food for people who have suffered a loss. But as I began to be a part of it and the staff that was working with me, um, we began to see how beneficial the gesture of providing food during their loss became. So I started to feel more... um, Fulfilled for doing it, as opposed to feeling sad because they're sad. I, right. I was happy to provide a glimmer of, you know, comfort for them. And Enrica, you used the word repast, and I know that that's used a lot in the African American culture. When I have friends that pass away, they they say mm-hmm. uh, their family say, "Well, let's all meet at the repast or come." What is the difference? To me, a repast is it's normally after the ceremony, well, service rather, um, from the funeral. Most of the time, um, it happens also after the burial. So it's sometimes it's at it can be back at the church or another location. But basically, to me, repast is always represented um, just a moment for family to gather. For people to, because when you're in a group and when you're in community and you're surrounded with people, you know, you have comfort in groups. And so food is prepared. Most of the time, people will provide things as um, offering their condolences, hugs, kind words. So when I say repast, that's what that typically means. And Carol, how would you say that difference uh, differentiates from uh, awake? I don't, I mean, to me, awake is something that you do before the, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. the burial. It's the like evening. the night before. Or yeah, something. the night, mm-hmm. the night before mm-hmm. the old Irish tradition was to stay up with the body mm-hmm. and the, and you know, the men would drink. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's, you know, mostly a small group of people will gather really close people mm-hmm. at the home the night before. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's always food involved. Right. Yeah, that's the way and I've drink. always, uh, right. That's the way I've always associated um, wakes were before 
gotcha. the funerals and repast was after. So it's in the whole process has always been a matter of celebrating and commemorating the life of the person. Um, a lot of times, uh, just from my experience in my family and upbringing, we necessarily don't have a wake, but it would be a viewing of the body, and we would still gather in a space before um, just to convene, tons of food, right. usually a s- several days leading up to the actual funeral and the service, and then the repast is just kind of like a closure of that. Now, you're a chef. Mm-hmm. And you've you've cooked professionally mm-hmm. for the grieving. But mm-hmm. what are some of your go-to dishes? I know you are you called on to deliver a certain dish at at this occasion. Um, I am. I, I am. know how popular you must be. <laughs> Everybody's got you your number up. in their phone. <laughs> so for me, um, when it comes to repast food, um, I always go for comfort, and I try to think about what the person. Or, um, or what they would like or what what would be soothing in this time. I am not a great baker. I appreciate baking. Most of the times, for me, it's a casserole or it's a vegetable. Um, you know, slow-cooked greens or um, purple whole peas, pinto beans, um, salads. Most of the time, uh, just something that can be easily reheated or if something for a large group of people, because people always come by and I always think about, you know, just having enough for them to share with the visitors. All right. We've got a couple of callers uh, on the line. Uh, first is Marsha calling from Jackson. Hey, Marsha. Hey, how you doing? Great. Um, how are you? Fine, thank you. First of all, I want to give a shout out. I'm sorry. I want to give a shout out to Tricia. She and I, she and I, and my brothers and her sister grew up playing together and fed at the Crucible, her her parents' home. Our, their, our parents were great friends. So hi, Tricia. Uh, second thing is, I wanted to uh, you're talking about funeral food and comfort food. I read somewhere a uh, character in a book that said cooking for people is a love thing, mm-hmm. and I am from Raymond, Mississippi, and you can't have a funeral without Mrs. Carolyn Stewart's pimento cheese sandwiches, which mm. are wonderful. But the real thing is her caramel cake. Mm-hmm. She makes the best caramel cake you've ever put in your mouth. And unfortunately, she's getting up in years, and I hope she has passed the recipe down to somebody because, you know, once she passes on to her reward, she'll be cooking it in heaven, but we won't get it on earth. Yeah, we need and to. Giving- we need to yeah. preserve that recipe here on Earth. We need, to, we need to preserve that recipe, and she has been comforting folks in Raymond with that recipe for I don't know how many years, 50, 60, 70 years. And, Marsha, anyway, if you can come up with that recipe and email it in, we sure would like to post it on yeah. our website for Deep South Dining. Or any other caramel cake recipes. Lord knows or, there's a million out there. Or her pimento cheese recipe. Or pimento cheese, <laughs> caramel cakes, you name it. All right. Also on the phone today, we have another caller. Sue is calling in from Beaumont, Mississippi. She wants to talk about chicken something or another. Chicken stew. Stew. Chicken stew. Hey, Sue. I don't suppose you could consider it a casserole, but it's really good anyway. <laughs> Let's uh, hear about it. All right. Uh, Amanda Freitag, a, a, she's a judge on the Food Network mm-hmm. show Chopped. She prepared this recipe once, and I, I just love it. I think she called it. Chicken parfait or something like that. It's a Mid-Eastern dish where you take fried leftover fried chicken or baked chicken, and you first you fry up some onion and bell pepper and some jalapeno pepper and a 
and eggplant. You just do all that together with some uh, olives and some fruit, like dried apricots or whatever kind of fruit you have. They have raisins or whatever. And two cans of crushed tomatoes, and you put that chicken in there and just let it simmer. And it, it, it's so rich. You serve it over rice, but it's a rich, wonderful dish. I love it. Excellent. That's uh, chicken stew from Sue in, in Beaumont, Mississippi. We sure do appreciate you calling in. We've got one more caller on hold here. we got Chris calling up from the Golden Gulf Coast in Bay St. Louis. Hey, Chris. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, we're good. We're getting hungry. <laughs> I, I know I am, too. Listen, as you would know, my sister right now is making a bread pudding, which mm. is her specialty, for a funeral. It's at 11 o'clock today. So um, it's a friend. It's a mother's a friend's mother. And does it have a... Um, uh, I, I really don't know the, the, the people very well, but I know the guy, and, and I felt like we had to do something for him. It's Bridport, it's got raisins, and yes, it's got whiskey sauce. <laughs> oh, that's, that's where I was going. It's very comforting. <laughs> I'm not my figure, that. Yeah, that's where I was going. my mama's recipe, who's long gone, but mama wouldn't give recipes away, but mm-hmm. she gave one to my sister, so that's what... Uh, when this lady died, I called her and said, can you make a bread pudding? And she's making it right now. So what, what a, how I propose that. Good Man, show, guys. Great. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for calling in. He were, go ahead. Well, go. here we're going to break. We're I going hear to the break. music. Okay. When we come back, I want to talk about a recipe for death chicken. Death chicken. Mm. Mm. All right. I'm Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett and Chef Enrique Williams. We're talking about... Funeral food. We're talking about comfort food, your favorite recipes, your experiences, your stories. Call us, if you will. I'd be happy to put you on the air. Remember that if you miss part of our show, you can always check it out on the website at mpbonline.org backslash Deep South Dining or subscribe to any of the podcasts using the MPB public media app or any podcast app. We'll take a little break. Come right back. Deep South Dining. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White, Carol Puckett, and Enrica, Chef Enrica Williams. Welcome, Chef. Hello. Now, I always end up being responsible for gumbo and tamales mm-hmm. because of my long-standing mm-hmm. history of owning Howl and Mouse, and those are two things we always have at hand. Mm-hmm. What about you? Are you called on, other than the dish that you shared, to do restaurant-style food? Most of the time, no. Um, for repasts or just during a passing, I always just do things that I just pull up from my childhood. Um, the lady, the caller, I think her name was Mary, when she spoke about the caramel cake, that yes. is definitely uh, cake sweets for some reason, banana pudding, 7-up pound cake. Um, those are always just in abundance, a chocolate cake. It's the hug you need. It is a hug you need. Um, most of, you know, salads, not so much unless it's like, you know, pasta salad or potato salad. Deviled eggs are a big thing, too. Um, lots of calorie-ridden, fried, <laughs> delicious things are mostly requested um, for repast food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Carol, what are your absolute favorite go-tos? Well, um, 
I'm not going to talk about my go-to, but I am going to talk about death chicken. And the first time I heard that term was when I worked at the Everyday Gourmet. I owned mm-hmm. the Everyday Gourmet, and somebody I worked with said, oh, I've got to run home and put death chicken in the oven. And mm. I looked at her like, what in the world are you talking about? Mm. And she said, oh, it's something that you can put in the oven, and then you can go to the funeral and come back. And it'll be ready. And so here is death chicken. Of course, there's a 9 by 13 Pyrex involved. <laughs> you layer the bottom with bacon. Uh-huh. Mm. You take a cup of uncooked rice. You take any kind of chicken pieces. Skin on is mm-hmm. the better, as fattening as you can mm-hmm. get. Then a can, of course, of cream of chicken soup mm-hmm. and a cup of water. And you put it in the oven, I believe, at at 300. And then by the time you come back from the funeral, it takes two hours to cook. Mm -hmm. You can take a warm dish to the bereaved and attend the funeral. Mm. Some people have to pick between cooking and attending the funeral. And and this way you can do both. But it's important not to peak during the two hours. The death. Chicken. You never yeah, heard of that one, Chip? I have. I think it goes by other names, but uh, <laughs> this particular person called it that, and uh, I, I have to confess that I have made death chicken. And my personal favorite for funerals uh, is tamales. Uh, mm. my, my my Delta friends, Trisha Walker, one mm. of them, when my dad passed, they brought forty dozen tamales. Wow. We ate yeah you know, from Rosedale, from Joe's White Front, mm-hmm. and it was some kind of Hmm. You know, celebration. Now, Chef, you were making uh, comments about Sue's uh, chicken stew recipe. You were yes. saying, to repeat what you were telling. So Carolina. it sounds like uh, Sue's recipe is um, is a country captain chicken dish from uh, the Carolinas. Um, basically, what it is, it, it has curry, it has um, the aromatic onion, the bell pepper, it has raisins, tomatoes, and it's cooked in a nice curry tomatoey broth. And then it's served over rice, as she stated. And it's a really good dish. And that would be a really good thing to bring it for would. the repast because in the in the same vein as the death chicken, it would you could cook the the chicken sauce separately and then you could cook the rice and you could take them both together and they hold well and they would travel because, you know, with anything, gumbo, sauces, soups, you cook them the day before, they taste better right. the next day. And that's a really great dish. Bean I love dishes country. as well, I think, mm-hmm. are better the second day. The red beans, kidney yes. beans, the yep. white beans, chili. And ham, mm-hmm. chili, of course, all soups. Yes, Yes. Uh, it's a shame when a soup is first made, it's served. But t- the next yeah. day is where the action I try is. To, right. I try to make it, if I can, like the day before so it has time for the flavors to meld. But sometimes I'm not always as fortunate to have that, that luxury of letting of cooking it the day before. So I have to cook it the day of. But, um, yeah, but definitely um, that country captain dish. Yeah. I heard that when she was explaining that. You got it. You know, well, we haven't talked about Jello. Mm. Jello is a, a funeral food in the South. You know, green Jello is is one I see the most. With, Shifts with, cracking up yes, over here. with marshmallows. Uh, it's, it's also a don't act like you don't eat it. The situation. So for me, Jello is is childhood, and oh. I used to go. My family and I would go to either Morrison's or Piccadilly, and I would always get. 
a small bowl of Jello. They had all the colors. Yes, that was just part. It didn't matter whatever else I ate, but I always got a small <laughs> bowl of the the Jello. That was just part of yeah. going out. That was fancy, you know. You the- well, congealed food is is a uh, known known funeral food. There's there's another category that we haven't talked mm. about, and that is the casserole that goes to the widower when uh-huh. a man's wife dies many times the first one the women mm-hmm. you know the fight mm-hmm. over who gets to give him the first casserole they're already thinking ahead ah and the yeah they call the well and into his heart to them mm-hmm. and they're and uh, so the first with the casserole is it's a lucky position mm-hmm. they call them the casserole ladies oh wow oh, okay are you familiar with that Jeff? i am not what about carol and i's favorite tomato aspic you know what (laughs) i like tomato aspic and i'm not you know a senior citizen yet (laughs) are you saying you have to be a senior to appreciate no so let me let me clear that up before the yeah before the phone calls come in tomato aspic to me is just such a classic simple it just just it's just so traditional in cuisine that a lot of people they give a lot of flack about the tomato aspect like eh, it's gross i think it's delicious i like it but i like tomato juice i like um virgin bloody mary so i just i just love the whole preparation of aspects period well you're on our team you know, yeah. last, last week we did a show on weird food and so many people through Malcolm's Facebook, thought aspic was a weird food, and mm, of course we were defending it. But in this book, being dead is no excuse. They say, <laughs> they say that tomato aspic is one of the requirements for a southern funeral, and especially tomato aspic with homemade mayonnaise mm. on top, mm. not just any old mayonnaise, mm. no Miracle Whip. And then there's the things you can put in the aspic mm-hmm. because it's not limited to just a tomato flavored gelatin. Right. Because I've had some aspics in a couple of different restaurants where it's been given um I don't want to say a facelift. I just think it's just been revived and it's been and it's made more modern and more fresh. So um with little vegetables. With in little it. vegetables or even with um poached shrimp so it can be a play on a shrimp cocktail. You know, yes, Malcolm. Um, I've been talking about that. Yeah, like that, that's. I've just been fascinated with aspects. Like I have Julia Child's cookbook, and I have some James Beard cookbooks. That's another like insight to me. I, I collect old cookbooks too, and so the first thing I do is I go to the index and I look to see how many aspic recipes they have. <laughs> Seriously, aspics and consommes. Like those are those well, are the things. Well, they're basics are, of French. Yeah, of French cuisine just, and. We, we've talked about this before. Back, I think, in 1300 was mm-hmm. the first recorded recipe for an aspic. Mm-hmm. But back then, they had to boil the animal bones mm-hmm. for days t- to get the the gelatin. gelatin. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now, we just... now we have Mr. Knox. I believe Mr. Knox <laughs> yeah. was Charles Knox. I believe it was in the 1870s. Mm-hmm. Came up with an instant gelatin. So voila. Charles Here, Knox. Charles Knox. Where was, it was Charles? Actually, patent, there was a recipe patent, patented, I believe, in, in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Knox uh, came up with Knox-flavored gelatin, and we remember him today. And 
during funerals and yeah. always always at Thanksgiving there's gelatin involved wow. and Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, Chef, what's the coolest dish you've eaten this week? What 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 have you eaten? What have you cooked? Give me one thing that our listeners can sort of wrap their brain around in the, in the chef world. So in the chef world, um, chefs don't cook <laughs> for themselves. <laughs> Not very often. Uh, um, I had a particularly rough, rough, tough week. And, and I saw you during that tough yes, week. Yes, oh my goodness. So I so I, I went home and my mom had made she fried pan trout. Ooh. Oh and my goodness. I just walked in and I saw it and it just life was just okay in that moment. It was just very simple. Um, you know, everybody, you know, I know people like team catfish and tilapia. She just <laughs> had pan trout. It was just very thin, it was very crispy. It was delicious. So that was just so comforting to me at that time. It, I, I felt like I, I was eating foie or just, you know, something super fancy. But it was really simple. Now, and I know why she needed it. I, I stopped by the restaurant because I was looking for some comfort food, some of her sweet potato soup. And she was literally, as we call it in the business, in the weeds. She in was in the, the weeds. Weed. She was... Serving food, there was a line, you know, people uh, waiting. She was running around, running from this side to that side. I tried to speak to her, and then I felt so sorry I went away. So, <laughs> pan trout. Yes. Exactly what fish is that? It's white. It's like whiting. Whiting. That's yeah. what I thought. Now, yeah. do you do you leave the bones in? Do you do whole fish no, or had fillets? The, she had the fillets. Great. Well, we're going to close out this show on funeral food and comfort food by talking about the pan trout. Thank you so much, Enrica, for coming. Thank you for having me. Man, we love having you on this show. Absolutely. You're a rock star. Well, that about does it for Deep South Dining today. We are a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by the generous contributions of people like yourself. Our show is produced by the one and only magnificent Java Chapman. For Carol Puckett, Enrica Williams, and Tricia Walker, I'm Malcolm White. We thank you for joining us. We ask you to stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11 a.m. Join us next Monday, 9 o'clock in the morning, for Deep South Dining, right here on MPB Think Radio.